Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Do appreciate you being here. Appreciate you joining us. Welcome to 2018. We are at a brand new year, which means new year, new you, new opportunities for you to go speak, to go share your message, to travel, to make a little dent in the world, and hopefully to make a few bucks along the way. Because I, I don't know about you, I like to eat and live indoors. Those things are there are important to me. Those things matter. And so today on today's show, we're going to be helping you. Hopefully every single episode, we're doing our best to help you out on how to build and grow your speaking business to how to share your message and uh, how to make a little dent in the world. Now, if you want to get into more on how to actually find and book paid speaking engagements, every single week we offer a free training where we are teaching exactly how to do that, a step-by-step plan. We'd encourage you to stop by, check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that is freespeakerworkshop.com and check that out. We'd love for you to uh, come join us there again as we walk through exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. All right, so let's get into today's conversation. Today, we are talking with my buddy, Sean Stevenson. We thought this would be a good interview to share with you as we kick off the new year is because I don't know that about you. Oftentimes we're making new year's goals and resolutions around our health or weight or fitness or diet, all the stuff that we know that we should be doing. And uh, Sean may be the most healthy person that I know. He is a extremely healthy dude, just a health nut, but this guy knows all about speaking and staying healthy. So we talked through a variety of different things with Sean. We talked through staying healthy while on the road. It's, you know, I don't know about you. It's easy to when you're on the road, just a default to, you know, things that you probably shouldn't be eating. So we talk about what he does when he's traveling to stay healthy. Talk about eating, hydrating, exercise, sleep, all those things when you're on the road, when you're traveling, when you're in hotels, when you're out of your rhythm and out of your element. We we dig into all of those elements. Now, I will tell you, Sean is uh, is extremely smart when it comes to stuff. So we get into the science, some of the nitty gritty. So at times it may feel like a bit of a swim in the deep end, but hang with us, all right? A lot of great stuff here, specifically for speakers. So make sure you uh, you track with us all the way through till the end. All right, let's get right into it. Here's my buddy, Sean Stevenson. Enjoy. What's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm hanging out with my buddy, Sean Stevenson from the Model Health Show. This dude is a speaker and uh, all around cool cat and one of the uh, healthiest human beings on the planet. Is that true? Can we go with that? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not going to put my vote in for it, but I've heard worse things. All right. Hey, uh, man, we appreciate you hanging out with us. So you are a, a health conscious nut. And so we're going to be talking about that from a travel standpoint. Speakers, yeah. we're always out on the road. But at the same time, you do a lot of speaking yourself. So let's start with that. First of all, tell us a little bit about the Model Health Show, your business, and how speaking fits into what it is that you're doing. Sure. Well, you know, the thing about me is like the online stuff came later. I had a brick and mortar clinical practice as a nutritionist. And also I was teaching classes, doing workshops and speaking. So I was doing all of that first before I knew that the online world existed yeah, in yeah. a way. 
And so I was just trying to find that touch point, that transitionary piece, because as you know, working in kind of a brick and mortar situation, even speaking, it's not very scalable, right? And so I start to look in what are some other ways that we can go about this? And also for me, my biggest driving force is impact. You know, how can I reach more people? So that brought me to the online, online sphere. And through that process, and just to make a long story short with getting to the podcast, I was actually, it's from a speaking event, yeah. how it all started. Come on, man. True story. There was a TED event in Las Vegas. Yeah. And so after I got off stage, a couple came up to me. They were young, vibrant, you know, just, and I come to find out they had this huge like online health site and they were getting like 100,000 unique visitors a day and all this cool stuff. And they were like, we just started this new podcast. We need somebody to be a face for this podcast. And we would love for you to, to do it. Like you're charismatic, you're this, you're that. And I was like, that sounds great. Let's do it. But what the hell is a podcast? Right? right. right? And so they filled me in. Long story short, we, we built that up. This was like 2012, maybe somewhere around that time period, 2013, maybe. And this was still early in the game for podcasts, by the way. Yeah. There's a couple hundred thousand downloads for that show, which was pretty cool. It grew their brand significantly, but the thing was, I was building their brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so eventually, and you are, you know, my wife, Grant. Yeah. She was like, you know, uh, you have to stop doing that now. <laughs> Focus on our stuff. But long story short, I amicably parted ways with my friends over there for that show. I started my own show. And I came into it with some experience of being able to like work out my kinks, truly find my voice. That was my one advantage. I did not have a following though. Let yeah. me make that clear. I had maybe like 200 people on my email list, maybe. Right. And I was just, I literally from that very first show, I was creating it as if I had a million listeners already. Yeah. And people go back literally, at least today, you know, there's going to be a couple thousand people that even go back and listen to that episode right. you know, each and every week, that first one. And now we're at 250. And from that process, you know, it was kind of slow going in the beginning, but we've had days of literally having like 130,000 people listen to the show in one day, Yeah, yeah. you know, and we went from like 50, 200 on a day, the show comes out, but now it's like 1.5 million downloads a month. That's crazy. And we do one show a week. It's, it is crazy, man. And we have downloads in like every country and it's just a very, very powerful impact. And so to kind of close the story. This platform of building a podcast and building this online brand has bled over into the speaking so much. So like a lot of companies that reach out to me, organizations, they find me because of the podcast. Wow. Like, hey, such and such at my office is a huge fan of your podcast. We want to fly you in, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So that's just a little bit of the story, you yeah. know, and I'm very grateful for the results that we've seen with the show, but it just really boils down to, to giving a lot of value for people. Now, how much speaking are you doing? Are you doing, uh, and how does speaking fit in in terms of like, is that a key piece of the business or is it just kind of, it's a byproduct? Like you said, it's kind of bled out of the podcast. The podcast is kind of the bread and butter. And I do some speaking on the side because it's kind of fun. Like how does all that fit together? Yeah, I definitely see myself as like almost 50-50 podcast, podcaster, speaker. Okay, you know? nice. And, but I don't, it's not my workload though. Yeah. All right, it's more like 70-30 as far as podcasts, and speaking respectively. Yeah. And we talked about this too. It's just a life choice. Yep. Prior to this, like I'd be bouncing all over the place and you know, I've, I have a family and kids and I just really love, that's the greatest joy in my life, the greatest yep. part of my life. And I really, really love doing my show, but there's nothing like that live experience. And yeah. like we just talked about, I just spoke at an event in Vancouver and like people like that connection that, that was born there 
Like you just can't replicate that anywhere, you know? And so I love that part. But now today I chunk it, you know? So what that means is I'll be home at my home base for two, maybe we'll just say on average, maybe two months yeah. and I'll go on the road and I'll do maybe four speaking events at one time and be gone for seven to 10 days and really just kind of hit stuff back to back. Now, of course there's random events that get thrown in, thrown in there here and there, but they have to really speak to me. And this is just, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle choice and ultimately deciding what you want to do. And um, so I'll say on average, I probably do maybe 20 speaking events a year now, cool. 2025, maybe 25. And you said all of those basically are, are coming to you via the audience that you've built from the podcast. Yeah. We'll say nine out of 10, eight out of 10 times. Yes, that's okay. correct. Gotcha. Very cool. All right, let's shift gears. Let's talk about this, uh, the travel side of it and, and how to maintain any level of health. So, I mean, obviously like when you're traveling, like it, you, as a speaker, you're just kind of out of your element. You're out of your routine, out of your rhythm. And so let's start, there's a couple different elements of that in terms of, of food and, and hydrating and exercise and, and sleep. So let's start with the food side of it. So what, like, what would be some strategies, tips that you've got for us whenever it comes to you're traveling, you're on the road a lot as a speaker. How do I still maintain like some sense of like normal healthy eating? You know, this really boils down to a very simple principle and that is to be proactive and not reactive. It's very, very simple. So when I know the city that I'm going to be staying in and I know the hotel I'm going to be at, I find out where there's going to be food close by, Yeah. right? So what restaurants are going to be ideal for me to go to? I also have somebody on my team who might look it up. Maybe it's my assistant. Maybe my, my wife would help me do that as well because she takes care of her baby when I'm on the road. So, you know, I'll know which places I'm going to have access to great, healthy food. Yeah. Right. And also, you know, even if it's the hotel itself and, you know, most hotels and it just depends on what your diet framework might look like. They could adhere to your specific needs. You like if you're doing gluten free, if you're doing paleo or you just have to ask questions, just make a phone call and inquire, like take five minutes and get your food situation sorted out so you don't find yourself with a Krispy Kreme like in your gullet, right? And if that's not what you want to do. Right. And no disrespect to Krispy Kremes, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> it's, it's fall season, whatever, pumpkin donuts are awesome. But the bottom line is just be proactive. Find out where you're going to eat. Get that planned out so that you don't have to think about it. And it's really that simple. So what does that look like for you? And maybe this is just kind of like, it sounds like what you kind of figure out what you're doing on a, on a eating basis from home. And then you're just making sure that you translate that on the road. So any tips or advice on that? Cause like you mentioned, you've got the gluten-free, you've got paleo, you've got all these different thought processes behind eating. So what, what would be your general philosophy on food? Let's actually start from home when we're traveling. I'm just going to throw this out there, guys. We'll see if it sticks. I'm just going to throw it out. All right. I would advise that you avoid the airplane food. Okay. All right. Now, some people listening, they're like, I love the airplane food. Like it's <laughs> snack free time. You right. They bring me, they offer the snacks Pretzels and peanuts. Like, my mom used Dr. to offer Pepper. me snacks. And this is the only time people offer me snacks now that I'm grown up. <laughs> Listen, that food just generally, even if it's a prepared meal, you know, if you're flying first class, you don't know where this stuff is coming from. You know, of course they're not sourcing the best quality stuff. So yeah. What I do, and this is very simple, again, like I have a meal prepared and I take it with me if it's going to be, you know, maybe a three, four hour flight. And sometimes I'll just even fast, like I just won't eat for that time period. And guess what? And I've done shows about this as well. I was taught in a conventional, traditional university, this very stupid thing that has no scientific backing, which is if you don't eat, your metabolism starts to slow down, right? If you don't eat breakfast specifically, like your metabolism isn't on, it isn't running. 
if your metabolism isn't running, you are dead. All right. Unless you're like on <laughs> a white walker, it doesn't matter if you skip a meal or two here or there. And actually you get some benefit. One of the first things that you get an uptick in is something called brain derived neurotropic factor. And I just mean, to make course. it. Real- yeah, that's what I was going to say, but you beat me to it. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> One of the what it means basically they're like this is very neuroprotective. It really helps to protect your brain, protect your neurons. It's kind of like an evolutionary advantage. Like our ancestors, when they wouldn't have times of food, they had to be sharp, right? Their brain had to be even more sharp and focused to be able to procure food, make sure they have shelter, that kind of thing. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. Don't eat the airplane food. Bring some food with you, maybe a couple of snack bars that you enjoy. Keep it clean there. All right. And then from there. One of the first things that I do when I hop off the plane is I go and I get hydrated. I get water. And of course, you know, I'll drink some water on the plane, but I used to be really neurotic about the water I drink because of, and I'll, again, I'll throw this out there. That's not okay. saying let it out. This is a safe place. <laughs> Everybody probably at this point has heard of BPA, hopefully. Uh-huh. Uh, it's bisphenol A and a plastic, like some plastic will say BPA free on it. Why does that even matter? Well, plastics are specifically bisphenol A is one of the compounds. It's known as it's a category of compounds called xenoestrogens, all right? There's that word estrogen on it you should probably recognize. And so these compounds that are found in plastics, and by the way, plastic doesn't biodegrade like other stuff. It photodegrades. So literally, light breaks plastic down. So when you drink water, and everybody's probably had this happen. If your water's sitting in a plastic bottle too long, you could kind of taste it, right? Yeah, it tastes yeah. like plastic. And what you're drinking is basically a plastic tea. All right. And you're consuming quite a few of these um, xenoestrogen. Well, we'll say hundreds or even thousands of these molecules. And they fit into estrogen receptor sites in your body that turn on estrogen related programs. And I'm just going to leave it there. We're not going to get too much more into (laughs) science. It's not okay. We have to be aware. So be mindful if you're drinking a lot of this plastic tea. All right. right. This is not hearsay. Anything that you hear from the quote expert right here coming from me, you can go to Dr. Google and triple check me. And I promise you're going to be like, oh, he was right. <laughs> so I go and get, you know, I might have some, you know, maybe a Fiji water, whatever is BPA free plastic bottle. Still not saying it's the best. I don't live in Fiji personally, you know, so I'll go to, you know, maybe a health food store, Whole Foods, grab some water and some um, preferably bottled in glass, maybe like Mountain Valley or, or Voss or Aquapana, that kind of thing. And I'll get hydrated, right? One of the things that leads to jet lag, one of the biggest things is just basic dehydration. Like when you fly, which is really cool, by the way, guys, like, have you really thought about the fact that humans have figured out how to fly? That's pretty cool. So, right? But we're, our bodies are totally not adapted to it. You know, it's a big uptick in radiation, big, big uptick in radiation. And also like, it just pulls up, like your immune system is a big stressor. Right. So get hydrated and that you're probably going to notice like, you're really, really hungry, but your brain, this uh, it's called the hypothalamus, it's regulating your hunger and thirst. So you want to be wary of that and understand I'm probably thirsty when you're getting those hunger pangs. So get, I get hydrated. Then, of course, I grab some food from one of my sources that I found. Maybe if I pick up a few things at Whole Foods or you know, I go to a restaurant, maybe the restaurant at the hotel if they have what I like, or if I've called ahead and just made sure, okay, cool, you can do that, you can do this. Also, and this is the last point that we can kind of shift gears if you've got another question. With the nutrition component, I also bring some insurance policies with me. And so what this looks like is like I'll bring some little packets, like go packets of like a green juice that I can pour into my water. Okay. Right. And it's something that tastes good. So I'm not like beating myself into submission of healthiness. 
but I'll bring that along. And maybe like there's some little packets of like certain teas that I bring along, elixirs, that kind of stuff, just to make sure that we don't have time to get sick. We don't have time for that stuff. That not only am I not getting sick, but I actually feel really good and I'm getting my body flooded with really great nutrients. So just a couple of things I do to make sure that when I'm traveling, my nutrition is on point. So whenever you're going to a restaurant, is there anything like, do you have some specific go-to meals that you're looking for? I mean, I assume obviously just even, cause it seems like, well, just, you know, you eat a, you eat a salad, you eat some meat, you eat some vegetables. Uh, is there anything that you are or are not looking for? Cause I know just from like times that we've hung out that there's a lot that goes on beyond what the menu may show and a lot of yeah. just in the preparation side of a meal. So anything that like we should be aware of when we're, you're going to Applebee's just to grab something quick, which may or may not be the best choice. But what are you looking for when you, when you sit down and look at a menu? Sure. I'm going to encapsulate this again. I've got entire episodes of my show digging into the subject. I'm going to do it in one minute here. All right. And everything that I say, again, not only is it for my own clinical practice and my own experience, but also talking to like, I'm talking about the top people in the world in this subject matters. Yeah. So one of these is our issue with, you know, gluten. Everybody knows about this. It's like, it's just like, in, it's a part of our culture now, right? Like if you're born today, and especially if you live in the state of California, you're gluten free <laughs> automatically, right? But the thing is like, really something has shifted with our health over the last 20, 30 years where we are seeing all this incidence of autoimmune diseases, high rates of diabetes, high rates of heart disease, when it's like, we figured this stuff out, right? Why is everything getting worse? But what, what it really is, if we look at something like conventional bread, you know, organic whole grain bread are these compounds called lectins, right? And so these are basically protective mechanisms in the plant, in the wheat to protect itself, all right? Because wheat can't get up and run from you, all right? Other stuff, like everything eats everything. All right. <laughs> so everything eats something and nothing wants to get eaten. All right. The plant isn't like, please, I've just, I was made for you to devour me in. and my kids. Right. No, like everything has a kind of sentient energy of wanting to reproduce and replicate and carry on a species. Yeah. Kind of weird. Again, I'm encapsulating this into a, a minute. So don't get too freaked out. Be like, I don't know. Have you seen Little <laughs> Shop of Horse, Sean? Uh, he could fight back. So what I'm saying is, especially when it comes to conventional wheat, just generally because of there's one other compound, the lectins are one that can pull apart your gut lining and it secretes it, something called zonulin, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me get to the point. It can pull apart your gut lining and cause autoimmune issues because whole proteins that shouldn't be in your system are getting in there. So that's one thing. Also, and this is the other important thing, last point with this is something called amylopectin A. And this is an extremely fast digesting, glucose spiking compound that's in wheat that makes wheat bread spike your blood sugar more than white bread. All right. And in college, I was taught, make sure you eat whole grain because it's better for you than the white stuff. No, it's not necessarily the case, especially if we're looking at issues like insulin resistance and diabetes. Classic sign of insulin resistance is carrying around more around our waist, all right, carrying around more belly fat. Now, with that said, here's the bottom line. My point is, for me, it's pretty simple. And it's not like I'm against bread. I, every now and then I'll have some. It's not like neurotic, so good, man. Crazy, it's so good. but it's in a general, especially when I'm on the road, I just skip that. I don't want the problem. I don't want the inflammation. I don't want the issues with blood sugar. So, you know, even if it's at the hotel, we'll just give an example. Uh, maybe the hotel has like a great, maybe even grass fed burger, yeah. right? You just order the burger, skip the bun, right? They bring it with all the fixings and you can, of course, you know, if you're having a little fries or whatever, I'd recommend you get vegetables, some sauteed veggies instead, 
unless you, you know, you're working on your gains and you're trying to, you know, get your pump dragon on. Come on. You know, if that's the case, go ahead and get you some fries. But other than that, you know, get the burger, get yourself some sauteed veggies, make sure you stay hydrated. It's still a great meal. You know, you're having a burger, like burgers are delicious. It's just skipping the potentially worst part of it, which is, you know, that conventional bread. So that's what a typical meal might look like, man. Or in the morning, maybe it's an, an omelet, a veggie omelet with this, again, a side of like, you want to keep on trying to get those veggies in because this helps to secrete something called leptin. All right. Leptin is your body's satiety hormone so that you're not flipping out and you're not going to a speaking event and, you know, they're giving everybody the the bagel tray and you're like trying to get your bagel on too. <laughs> and you might have be up for your speaking, you know, like kind of pumped up for that. But as soon as it's over, you crash. Right, right. And it just sucks and you're not that fun to be around. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, it sounds like a lot of whenever it comes to eating on the road just comes down to really planning it out ahead of time and not arriving at the airport and realizing that it's 10.30 a.m., you're getting ready to hop on a three-hour uh, three flight and you know you're going to be there throughout lunch and go, well, you know, I'll just grab a, a Mountain Dew and a Snickers and we'll eat some snacks on the plane and call it good when we get there. But really just like thinking those things through ahead of time. And even like you mentioned, once you get to the hotel of not giving into the cravings of, man, I, I you know I got to the hotel at 10 o'clock at night and I would just go find something, but planning that out and figuring out, you know, where is the Whole Foods or where is somewhere I can get a good salad or I can get a good, you know, just healthy, healthy drink or smoothie or protein shake or whatever. But just thinking those things uh, through ahead of time seems like that's the the main difference. Exactly. And it's just, it's not fair, man. It's not fair to the people that you're going to be speaking for, the organization that's bringing you out. If you're not on top of your game, you know, and making sure that you're fueling your mission, your body is the vehicle you're doing all this stuff in. Your brain is literally made of the food that you eat. So if you're eating like a Snickers, like you're creating new tissue in your body made out of this nougaty, chocolatey goodness, goodness, right? (laughs) But is it a sustainable material? And I'll tell you, I mean, we all know this, it's just not, you know, so we get to choose this and, you know, just even in the shorter scheme of things, you know, just for performance sake, it's not fair to the people that we're going to be showing up for, because of course, all of us, everybody listening, you can get yourself up and execute, you know, when you're on stage, but is it the best of you? Is it really the best of you? And to do that, you really need to make sure that you're minding the things that you're putting in your body for fuel. Let's talk about the hydration for a second. How much water should we be drinking? And then my other question would be, for a speaker, I've always heard different philosophies on your voice is really critical, important, obviously, to your success as a speaker. Yeah. So thoughts on cold water, warm water, lemon and water, honey and water, teas. What are your thoughts on all of the above there? Perfect. I'm going to preface this with a very sm- a small thing here too, encapsulated, which is The reason that this hydration matters so much, and everybody's heard this before, you know, your body's mostly water. Well, if you actually look at the data, we're seeing from infancy, maybe like 80, 85% of your tissues are like made of water. And from there, you know, we'll say the average person in their 20s, 30s, 40s, somewhere around 70% of your body is water. That matters a lot. All right. And And the quality of that water and your body is, it preferentially chooses higher quality water to displace old water that has a lot of metabolic waste in it. So you're basically changing out your oil in a way. And we need this daily, not like our cars every three months. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, and even we're talking about, you know, really bringing your best to the to the table and you're bring, really being on top with your smarts, even your neurotransmitters in your body that are sending signals throughout your body, it all is moving on a water super highway. And so that's why this matters so much. Those are just a couple of things. Mostly your blood is made of water, you know, yeah. all your synovial fluid, 
your cerebral spinal fluid, on and on and on. So we need to make sure we're getting hydrated. What is the amount? I would give the baseline amount being, if you take your body weight, right? We'll just say, you know, you weigh 150 pounds and you divide that in half, all right? That number that you get, that's going to be 75. That is the amount of ounces that I want you to drink each day as a baseline, all right? So a 200 pound person divided in half, numbers 100, 100 ounces. That's your target. And that's just going to be a good baseline to make sure that you're meeting some basic requirements. You know, if somebody, if it's middle of summer and you're sweating, you're doing workouts and all this stuff, I'm going to bump it up a little bit, but baseline again, half, take your body weight, divide in half that number that you get, that's the amount of ounces you want to have. And for your voice and that kind of thing, this is something that I, I had trouble with this big time, man, because, and even I have it right here, even doing a podcast, I'm making sure. And I'm the guy like on stage, I'll be like, Hey, let me go take a swig of my canteen. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I keep it moist. All right. I keep it moist. Uh, make sure that you're being proactive with the water. Be proactive with the water. And um, as far lemon, why do we naturally kind of like vibe with lemon in the water? And what that does is, and this is a very interesting little thing, is that it provides electrons to the water. So it kind of, quote, charges your water up in a strange kind of interesting way. So that's why like lemon and lime, that kind of thing. So that's great. Definitely great. And as far as like for the throat to make sure you're healing, that kind of thing. Yeah. Honey is great. There are certain teas, but I think it's more about being proactive, not getting yourself there in the first place, rather than trying to treat yourself after. So just making sure you're staying adequately hydrated before you talk and also warming up. All right. Make sure you warm up, especially if you're going to be talking a lot. It's like sometimes, you know, I might do a, a, an hour keynote and then I've got like a hundred people in line for a book signing, right, you know, right, and right. I'm talking to everybody and people are asking questions. Right. So it might be three hours. Right. So I'm being proactive with that. And I will even tell, like, I'll stop and I'll go grab some water. There's a couple of things there. And this is something, again, we could do a whole episode just talking about water. Uh, but I hope that answers the question. What, what about like temperature of water? Should we be drinking? Like I know for speaking, like I always try to drink room temperature, lukewarm water and never wanted something so cold in my throat. That's going to, that's going to mess with me. And like, sometimes I'll have like some hot tea or something in the morning with some honey. If, if I know, like you mentioned, I'm going to be speaking a lot, but especially just like room temperature water. You get any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's great. Another issue with the cold water potentially is the fact that that cold, when it hits your gastrointestinal tract, it's a little bit of a stress response. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying cold, you like, you can't drink cold water, but just especially it's going to start pulling, literally pulling blood flow away from your brain and like to your gastrointestinal tract. All right. So having that room temperature water is a, I think it's a really great idea. Or if you're having warm water or tea or something like that, I think that's a better go-to, especially around the time when you're speaking. But outside of that, you know, you just kind of go with your preference. I've, I've seen consistently, you know, clinically that it's harder for people to drink enough water if their water is really cold, okay. right? It's because it kind of hurts a little yeah, bit. Yeah, So whereas with room temperature water, you can knock down, you know, half a liter at one go. Right, right. All right, let's shift gears. Let's talk about uh, exercise, which is another, I mean, you're out of your element, you're out of the ordinary, your schedule's thrown off. I'm on a plane, I'm rushing to the hotel, I'm going to speak, I'm sitting backstage. There's just a lot of like going from one thing to the next. And sometimes it's just hard to find some of that dead time to get in any type of exercise or any type of workout. Or if you're going to, you know, the hotel gym, which some, you know, just may not have much, you know, they don't have many options to work with. So what do you recommend when, like, even when for you, when you're on the road, what, uh, what do you do things that maybe we can even do from, you know, from a room, just body weight type exercise? What do you recommend for that? Okay. 
This is actually going to tie to the probably the most important part of all of this, which is sleep. And I just did a segment on Dr. Oz, like, uh, I think it was last weekend. It's kind of a blur from my little mini sprint. But one of the things that we talked about was how, and this was a study done by Appalachian State University, and they sought out to find how the time of day you exercise impacts your sleep quality at night. And to make it kind of, you know, get right to the point, they found that, and they tested morning exercisers who worked out at 7 a.m. exclusively. Then they did 1 p.m. exclusively in the afternoon, 7 p.m. exclusively. At the end of the study, they found that morning exercisers spend more time in the deepest, most anabolic stages of sleep. They have more efficient sleep cycles. They tend to sleep longer. And they also have a 25% greater blood pressure drop at night on average, Hmm. which that's correlated with the deactivation of your sympathetic kind of fight or flight system. So with that said, and this is what I wanted to communicate to everybody, which was, it doesn't matter what time you exercise. Make sure, regardless, you get in at least five minutes of exercise in the morning every day. Just do that for yourself because of the benefits you get later on. And so what I would recommend people do, regard, and I, I do this every day, every day, every day, no matter what, five minutes of exercise. Even today, uh, which I usually go to the gym on this particular day, my wife talked me out of it. She's very <laughs> persuasive, all right, if I haven't communicated that already. And she went to drop the kids off and I just got, grabbed my rebounder, my this little mini trampoline. Yeah. And I jumped on that bad boy for like 10 minutes or whatever and listened to a podcast. Yeah. So, but on the road, here's what, what I do. I'm already again, proactive, not reactive. I'm thinking about where am I going to work out, right? If I'm looking at getting in a full workout, if I've got the time. So this might be like checking out the hotel gym, which again, it's just a couple clicks on a computer. You could see pictures. And of course they make the pictures look way better than the place usually is. (laughs) But you know, if they got a couple of dumbbells or whatever, like you can do all kinds of stuff with that. And so I'll do that proactively ahead. In Vancouver, I had a friend do it for me. He was driving up to the event. He lives in Seattle and he knew the gym to go to. So I kind of like put, but I knew that I was going to be there this time on these particular days, right? I had it scheduled in. So I didn't get there and was like, you know, I need to get a workout in. It was scheduled already. Yeah. And so um, outside of that, though, here's the thing. If like if it's an issue with time because you know, it's a crunch time kind of thing and you didn't schedule, you can do five minutes of exercise in your hotel room. Easy. You can do body weight squats and push-ups to get this kind of, it's called exercise post-oxygen consumption, this EPOC. You're going to be burning more calories through the day by doing that five minutes. You're going to improve your sleep quality at night. And here's why I love it the most. And this is why whenever I travel, no matter what, the next day I exercise, it helps to reset your circadian timing. It helps, especially if you change time zones, mm-hmm. it helps to get your cortisol elevated in the right place because you got up and did some exercise so that it gets on a normal track and bottoms out that night properly. All right. So, you know, there's a ton of different stuff. There's a bunch, you can go to Dr. Google or Dr. YouTube, type in hotel workout. Okay. You'll find probably hundreds of videos right. of people doing different hotel workouts, right? There's no excuse, no reason not to. And I'm just saying five minutes. I'm not even saying 50. I'm not saying 25. Right. Just five. Right. You get a lot of bang for your buck. I've done the uh, several times, uh, just, and there's various apps for it. What is it, like a seven-minute workout of just quick 25, 30-second cycles of push-ups and air squats and jumping jacks? And I mean, there's a variety of different things there that just keep you going. And again, it's like when we're talking seven, eight minutes or whatever it is. And so it's it's not like you got to go to the gym and do this full-scale full you know, this full scale workout. Sometimes it's just enough just to get the blood flowing. Absolutely. You know, I've got a book right here that references this. I hope... You know, a lot of people probably heard of it, but 
Tabata, right? Tabata. Mm-hmm. It's four minutes of exercise. A Japanese scientist. I promise you, four minutes. If you do Tabata with me, you'll feel like you just ran five miles. I'm not exaggerating at all. You know, people who run, like that's their thing. If they do Tabata the right way, so this 20 seconds of exercise, 10 seconds of rest, 20 seconds of exercise, 10 seconds of rest for four minutes. Man, I mean, talk about work. And it's just like four minutes, you can't really get that much benefit. You're really missing the point. You know, you're really missing the point because the reality is this, it's not about the quantity, it's the quality. Yeah. And we're looking to get these hormonal benefits. We're not like, you could do an hour of straight trash garbage exercise, all right? <laughs> I just thought about the garbage pill kids just jumped in my head. Just a total sidebar, but that's the reality. You know, just like with our food, we could eat junk food or you can eat healthy food. You know, there's junk ex- exercise and there's healthy exercise. Yeah. There's junk sleep and then there's great sleep. And so that's a couple of nuggets for everybody with the exercise. And I think that, you know, even just that five minute or, or even four minutes for Tabata can be really helpful. Now I work out on a regular basis, but I've done a, a, a hit workout with you. That's it was, right. Dude, that kicked my butt, man. That was brutal. That was just basic. We did some supersets. We did yeah. basic supersets. We had about a minute in between each set, but we would combine two exercises. I think there were maybe non-competing muscle groups, like a press and a, and a pull or something like that. And there's so many cool ways. And, the, and if we weren't like fooling around and like pictures and stuff, the workout would have really been like 20 minutes, maybe 30 tops. Yeah. And it's like a full body deal. Yeah. Yeah. But we do have picture proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. I, I forgot about that. Let me ask you this. To, we'll kind of wrap up with this. One thing that you kind of alluded to a couple times is the importance of sleep. And again, when you're on the road, your sleep schedule may be thrown off different time zones. Maybe you took a red eye. Uh, I know the other day, my wife and I were traveling somewhere. Had to, Our flight was 5.30, which has us leaving the house at 3 a.m. And so you just have those kind of things that just kind of jack up what your normal rhythm and schedule for sleep would be. So any thoughts on, on sleep, on naps, on just how to make sure we're getting the right amount of sleep when our, our travel schedule is throwing off our, our normal life schedule? Yeah. I'm going to go back to the initial point again is to be proactive, not reactive. So you should know ahead of time what your sleep schedule is going to look like. What's going to happen in my sleep? Like you just said, you know, maybe say we got a, a 5 a.m. flight, right? Have your stuff packed. <laughs> So you can get to bed earlier, yeah. all right? Get yourself that adequate amount of sleep. But even with sleep and, and even in my book, I never once say you need to get some cookie cutter amount of hours of sleep because it's about the quantity, not just the quality, especially when it comes to sleep. We want efficient sleep where your brain is actually going through the different brainwave frequencies that are correlated with different stages of sleep. And we're talking about the non-REM, REM sleep and the transitionary phases. So what does this look like with travel? Well, number one, again, proactive, not reactive. Look at how am I going to do this, kind of get it scheduled. And from there, I think it's really important to, like I was just on the on the uh, West Coast for a while. I'm in the Midwest with Grant. And uh, I was- represent. That's right. But I'm going to convince was, you to move to Nashville. I knew it was going to come up, man. <laughs> it was going to come up. And so I was on the West Coast for a while. It's two hour time difference. And this was for, you know, maybe five or six days. So I, I needed to get myself acclimated to that time zone. And this is going to sound really strange what I'm about to say, but one of the best things you can do, because again, humans, we were not designed through evolutionary biology. It's kind of like some time travel stuff happening. When you get on a plane and you jump into a different time zone, life is like, where is this fool at? Like it has to locate you. Okay. 
because your body is literally synced up with the dernal pattern of the earth. It's synced up with the circadian rhythms of the planet. And believe it or not, and this is some cool stuff. Again, if you want to get into this, you can go and research like hours and hours and hours. But your hormones get secreted based on what time of day it is right now. We can trick ourselves by staying indoors all the day, all day, and then kind of like, you know, not being exposed to kind of natural changes in the environment. And that's one of the problems also we have with disease today is that issue itself. But when you jump time zones, you need to find a locator. Now, this is going to sound nuts here. I'm going to actually grab, let me grab my book. So this is my book, Sleep Smarter, hashtag Sleep Smarter. <laughs> and let me actually share this study with you. And I haven't talked about this in a long time. I didn't know I was going to talk about this because this is, this is the only weird thing in my book, Dude, FYI. I, I bring it out of you. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened. So and I'm sure Grant does this for everybody, guys. <laughs> Brings the weird out. Okay, so this is fascinating stuff right here. There's a 2004 study published looking at the biological effects of grounding the human body during sleep as measured by cortisol levels. So they actually hooked these people up to monitors and also tracked their cortisol levels as well. They found that grounding yourself, so this is basically getting yourself in touch with the earth's surface, as weird as it sounds, it helped to, to number one, lower their nighttime cortisol and also to help to normalize their cortisol cycle. One of the first things we see when travel is elevated stress hormones, which is natural because, you know, yeah. it's a kind of stressful, weird thing your body's exposed to. And by you simply, and this is why, like, and everybody's had this experience, you go to a beach, like you go on vacation, you go to a beach, and you're probably knocked out on the beach, right? You didn't even make it back to the hotel. And it's like, you sleep so much better. It's not just because you're not, a, you're away from work, right? Knowing you, the people who are listening, if you're like me, you're probably still thinking about work anyways, sure. you're on vacation. But it's really because you're finally getting your body connected to the earth. To take some of the weirdness out of this, by the way, the reason that this kind of works and what matters is the earth is brimming with free electrons. And I mentioned earlier in how your lemon puts a charge in your water because it donates electrons. The human body is very conductive, right? We just had Halloween, right, recently. And so think about Halloween, even these weird, creepy movies. One of the way, worst ways to go out is like somebody's taking a bath. And they're exfoliating and all of their chilling. They got some Barry Manilow playing in the background. Come on now. And then Jason Voorhees comes in, drops a radio right in their bathtub, right? And fries them, right? Terrible way to go out. But how is that possible? Have you ever thought about that? How are you able to be electrocuted? You must be very conductive. You must have internal wiring, right? That can actually get short-circuited. This is one of the things we don't recognize because we only see a certain spectrum of light as humans. We can't see this kind of bioelectricity that humans carry, but you can see it like if you're hooked up to maybe, you know, an EKG or, you know, a heart monitor and you could see that little boop, boop, that right. thing is a measurement of electricity coming from your body. Very profound stuff. So understand that piece first and then understand that the earth itself is brimming with free electrons. And one of the things that reduces stress, reduces inflammation and that causes inflammation first is something we call reactive oxygen species or these kind of pro-inflammatory events happening in our body. When we get electrons donated into our system from eating certain foods or touching the place the foods come from, which is the earth, it donates free electrons into our system and helps to reduce inflammation. And there are other studies in here as well. And I know this is, we got into Twilight Zone stuff right here, guys, <laughs> but you guys are going to learn more about this stuff in the future. 
um, also helping to reset our circadian rhythm and helping us to sleep better. So what I'm trying to say with all of this, if you can get yourself grounded when you're on vacation or you're on your speaking event, you can maybe just go to a park or somewhere, kick your shoes off, hang off for a bit. Maybe not the best thing if you're speaking in Alaska, okay? FYI, I'm not talking about that. You, obviously, there are parameters to this, but then here's another a little interesting thing. There are actually, they're called earthing sheets. And even I have one under my desk here. It's an earthing pad that you can actually connect to the grounding wire in your light sockets. And even I have a, a earthing mouse pad right here. If I touch it, I'm grounded. All right. Again, I did not want to get into this weird stuff. Grant made me do it, but I just want you guys to have that knowledge. So that's one piece. And I'm going to wrap this up really, really quickly. Get yourself grounded. And when it comes to sleep for optimizing your sleep on the road, if you can do your best, and a lot of hotels are good for this anyways, of getting it pretty dark in the environment, make it cooler. All right. So number one, you want it dark and you want it cool. This is according to the Top experts in this field, they say between 62 and 68 degrees yeah, Fahrenheit. Like that. Yeah. All right. So especially a lot of guys tend to like it more, yes. right? And then the wives are like, it's too cold. Yeah. Yeah. She hates it. She hates it. Yeah. Yep. But we've compromised. My wife is actually from Kenya. So yeah. she doesn't like the cold at all. All right. So we've compromised because she does find she does sleep better when it's cooler. Yeah. And, uh, and I've got studies in the book sh- talking about exactly why that is. We won't get into it, but. Bottom line, in the morning, I get up and turn up the thermostat for her, Yeah, yeah, right? But we also, we sleep great. I get up, turn that up. But get it cool in your environment. It's going to improve your sleep quality because of something called thermal regulation. Your body, everybody listening, has a natural process where your core body temperature drops at night. And I was taught this in college again, guys. I know this is sound like the miseducation of Sean Stevenson, but that we're supposed to be 98.6 degrees. That's just not true. Like your body temperature changes all the time. And even goes lower than that to facilitate sleep. Certain hormones get released when the core body temperature comes down to help you sleep better. And so if your body has to fight because the environment is too warm, it's just going to mess up your sleep quality and you don't need that. So get the environment cooler, get it dark in that, in that bedroom. If you can, you know, if there's like weird blaring lights from some kind of weird source, like tuck a tile under the door or whatever. And those little things, all right, I know it's a lot, but those little things can help significantly with improving your sleep on the road. There it is. There it is. Well, Sean, one of the uh, the smartest, prettiest, and nerdiest people that I know. So thanks, dude, for hanging out with us. Hey, if people want to find out more about you, you mentioned your book as well, Sleep Smarter. Where can we find out more about all this goodness? Thanks, man. I appreciate this so much. Well, Sleep Smart is available everywhere books are sold. Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all that good stuff. You could find it there. It's international bestseller now. I'm really on, happy man. to say. So I'm actually in my office so I could see like there's like 15 different languages and it's pretty cool. And um, you can find that at, uh, again, all those sellers, or you can go to sleepsmarterbook.com. And there's like a bonus video series that come along with the book from there. And where most people know me from, we talked about earlier, is from my show. It's called The Model Health Show. And wherever you're listening to this amazing podcast, you could find my podcast. It's The Model Health Show. And we have a really amazing time. And we do master classes on every health subject matter that you can imagine. So can pop over and check me out there as well or themodelhealthshow.com. Beautiful. Sean and I are going to get together to do a, uh, a race one of these days. And uh, maybe when he moves to Nashville, we can do that. Oh, uh, see, so you keep on putting it out there to the ethers, man. We're gonna make I it respect happen. that, though. I respect it. <laughs> Good talking to you, buddy. Thanks, man. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sean Stevenson. I, I, I warned you. I told you that dude knows what he's talking about. And I, it feels like you may have been in a science class, but just you come out the other side and you're like, dang, I just feel smarter. I feel wiser. I feel slightly healthier. So make sure you, you hydrate, you eat something healthy, you get enough sleep, and you exercise today, according to Sean. Do those things, all right? Hey, again, let me remind you, if you haven't already, definitely stop by and check out freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com, where we are going to be teaching you all, all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So we'd love for you to check that out. We'd love for you to be a part of that. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.